Hello, hello, and welcome to Orbiting the Ghost Planets. I'm Nick. I'm Joe. And this week, we're talking about the 1994 Jim Carrey movie, The Mask, directed by Chuck Russell. You might know him as the director of The Scorpion King. I love that movie. I thought you liked The Mummy. I no, do like The Mummy. You like The Scorpion King more, or you just like both? I like both a lot. You can like both. That's legit. So The Mask. This is a weird movie. It's a really weird movie. Cameron Diaz's first movie, I believe. I, I, I feel bad because I look at her and I keep going, that's not Christina Applegate. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is a story. Jim Carrey plays Stanley Ipkiss. Yes. Uh, who is a mild-mannered, good-natured banker uh, in Edge City. Mm-hmm. So first of all, all right, so the last time I saw this movie was probably in the 90s. Yeah, me too. Uh, so I forgot a lot of things, like, that takes place in Edge City. Mm-hmm. Although, so, Jim Carrey was also in Batman and Robin? Yes. And between Batman Returns and Batman and Robin, I get this movie a little conflated with those, just for the sense of, like architectural and fashion style in the movies because it's and got that jim like, carrey plus green <laughs> yeah no, and jim carrey is in both yes yeah but just something about you know the style of windows and like kind of like you know modern garth garth modern garth brooks <laughs> architecture modern gothic architecture uh-huh there's something very much going on uh, that i don't know it just kind of makes me think of that era the Congo Bongo. <laughs> the Oingo Boingo. Nope, that was Danny Elfman. <laughs> Danny Elfman, is that the right one? For what? Oingo Boingo? That's a band. It's, I think it's Danny Elfman's band. Really? I think so. The I didn't know. You know. <laughs> oh. I didn't know he had a band. I thought he was just a composer. So we got Stanley. This is a parable about Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and Stanley is having one heck of a day. He's, you know, in trouble at his job. He's got things going on. He's getting kicked out. It's he... one of those traditional introductions of a good hard character by ha showing them having the worst day ever. Yeah. It's really painting him as sort of a schmuck. I'll give the movie this credit. Before they really start laying on his schmuck, like, they paint him as, like, a, a sort of kind-hearted guy, and then they start painting the movie as, like, a, a mob film. You know, yeah. there's mod conspiracy and plots going on. You know, not, like, super convoluted ones, but just, like, hey, the mafia, we gotta whack Tony before he ruins our business in the city. You know? <laughs> hey. And then they start painting, oh, look at this schmuck. But then this schmuck has his Jumanji moment when he finds an ancient relic floating in the river. I'm sorry, what is Jumanji moment? Yes. An ancient relic floating in a river that changes his life. They didn't find that floating in a river. They found it. No, they drop it off in a river. No, isn't there the opening of Jumanji? You see, like, old-timey kid being like, no, this is cursed, it's terrible, and he, like, throws, puts a rock on it and throws it in a well? Or into a river or something? 
I don't remember how that one begins. No, don't, no, they bury it. They bury well, yeah, the 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 kids bury it in the middle of the woods, and then when they're digging up the land to make the mall or whatever, they it it gets uncovered. Okay, but so then they throw it in a river at the at end the of end. The movie. Yeah, when they're done with it. Okay, so the mask is a sequel to Jumanji, <laughs> where over time the heat and pressure of nope. the Earth's mantle nope. crushes a game into a mask. No. <laughs> I don't know. I like this. The game's African. And the mask is Norse. Yes. Okay, so can we talk about that part for a minute? Okay. I totally forgot this part about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so the mask that Stanley Ipkiss finds is the, like, <laughs> is the Norse trickster god Loki, who has been banished and compressed into a mask form. Mm-hmm. So, really, this takes place in the Avengers universe? <laughs> I mean, again, because of the Batman confusion, I'm already looking at this as, like, this is on, you know, Edge City well, is just a borough of Gotham. So, like, somewhere on the other side, Batman is fighting the Joker, and here on this side, I mean, you got it's Stanley a superhero movie. It's a Dark Horse Comics character. Yeah, okay, so, yes, is based on uh, a comic. Yes. A uh, much darker comic. So, that's the weird thing, like... All right, so he finds the mask, and it's like this. The basically the movie takes place over four nights, maybe. That sounds all right. Yeah. Four, yeah, four nights. Um, five nights, four nights. I don't think it matters specifically about any. You made your point. It's a couple okay. of days. <laughs> um, because because I, I wrote down a little. So this movie, I think, is ahead of its time. Because I think it makes a powerful statement about internet anonymity. Go on. Okay. Uh, we have a guy who is a self-proclaimed nice guy. He even wrote in <laughs> to uh, a uh, advice column and signed it, Nice Guys Finish Last. Mm -hmm. All right. Um. And he finds a mask that, first of all, hides his identity, but also gives him superpowers. Mm -hmm. And then here, I, I wrote it down like this. Uh, again, it takes place over like four nights. Night one, he goes and he fights crime and he declares, with this power, I could be a superhero. On night two, he robs a bank and goes to a club to impress girls. Mm -hmm. On night three, he is straight up making women uncomfortable and getting into uh, large-scale police chases. Uh -huh. So That escalated quickly. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Saying that, you know, the power of anonymity is, you know, a powerful tool that we can use for justice. Yeah. <laughs> and then just calling women terrible, terrible names. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Yep. It's ahead of its time. Yeah. Just 20 years later, <laughs> the movie is somehow still relevant. I I am blown away by this fact. It's really weird. <laughs> I'm telling you. You out there with the with the earphones, give this give this movie a watch. It's still kind of striking. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't actually like this movie very much. <laughs> no. Oh, so, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. What I got other things about what it is and what it was trying to do, but it, uh, what like, I mean, I, it's fine for what it's trying to do, but it's just, like, it's not my kind of humor at all, so I don't enjoy it very much. 
it's really weird humor because it's well it's the same kind of like it's the looney tunes type of humor that i even when i was little i i don't get it like i i I get it i just don't enjoy it and i don't understand why it's comedy like it's it's like overly violent and overly sexual and i just don't enjoy it at all (laughs) well it's like not only is it like that humor but it basically is exactly that humor the movie is you know whatever the original comic was about this movie is, in addition to being a parable about a Stanley parable about internet anonymity, it's basically a movie that lets them stand up and say, "Hey, we're at a point where computers are powerful enough mm-hmm. that we can make a live-action film that is just as animated as classic animation." Because oh, yeah. it's not even that they're doing the same type of humor; they are doing the exact same gags. They are doing, you know. Buzz Bunny over exaggerated deaths. They're doing Tasmanian Devil spinning. They're doing the Tex Avery Wolf, you know, heart beating out of your chest and mouth agape drooling with the mile long tongue. Yeah, it's it's not even similar jokes. It's the exact jokes. Yeah, they're just proof. It's almost like a proof of concept, saying like, look at what we can do now. Look at what we have the power to do. Mm-hmm. What year was uh, uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger Rabbit was nineteen eighty eight. And it's funny you bring this up, because I was also going to bring this up, <laughs> because it, the way it handles just being a cartoon mm-hmm. is in that weird way of, of you know, highlighting the juxtaposition. I'm using way too big words for this conversation about this movie. But the scene where he's getting back at his landlord as yeah. the mask, he's doing very cartoonish things. You know, animated clocks and giant hammers and is sort of decimating this hallway. And then immediately when that scene ends, they go to the next morning where you see the lady pointing at the holes in her wall and floor. Yeah. It's just like, okay, very cartoonish things made this, but now we're seeing... The real life consequences. Yes. It's cartoonish events with real life consequences, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely a, a sort of strange take on the Who Framed Roger Rabbit cartoon real life yeah adjoining principles ideas yeah and so jim carrey yep apparently it was very specifically a thing that jim carrey saved them money because he is so naturally cartoonish in motion (laughs) that they didn't have to do as much cgi yeah yeah definitely good casting for this role yeah and it did something interesting because all right you remember when we saw furious seven yes and I couldn't really get into it because I was constantly playing that game of, is that real Paul Walker or CGI Paul yep. Walker? Okay, having sort of the same issue here about, is that Jim Carrey's real face, real face with prosthetics, or CGI augmented face? <laughs> and you know what? It wasn't always clear which it was. And I think that's points in this movie's favor. Mm-hmm. For sure. Also, those teeth, they can't have been comfortable to wear. Yeah, no, they never intended him to wear them all the time. And he was just like, no, I can do this, guys. I can make this absolutely work. I can do this. Folk. Also, that dog was the best character. Oh, yeah, Milo. Yeah. So, all right, that's about, what is it, three quarters of the way through this movie, maybe two thirds. Mm-hmm. It suddenly goes from being this weird cartoon, real life hybrid, or this, you know, anonymity parable about who's the real hero just becomes hero dog story straight up (laughs) because you know stanley is now in jail uh he's been 
blamed with all of the crimes that he did commit. Yeah. Let's be fair about that. Mm-hmm. But now, even worse hands have uh, gotten hold of the mask. Have gotten hold of the compressed soul of the trickster god Loki. And the only one who can do anything to save the day is Milo the dog. <laughs> he breaks Jim Carrey out of jail. He uh, follows him. Yeah, follows them when they take him to the... He goes with him to the nightclub to rescue the lady and stop the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, Stanley fails again, he catches the mask that was passed to him by the damsel in distress. So there's a little bit of empowerment. That's kind of nice. And a dog catches the mask and puts the mask on. And we got a cartoon dog biting people in the butt. Yep. He, he, that dog is my favorite character. By the way, just on that note, like, you know, for the, the fan fiction fan artist people out there, <laughs> this movie does a nice job because it's the same mask. But you get to see, you know, how Stanley reacts when wearing it, how he changes when wearing it, how Dorian, our main bad guy, changes when he's wearing it, and how the dog changes when he's wearing it. Well, yeah, because what it does is it brings out yourself. So it's going to be different things on different people. Yeah. But it's, it's just nice that it's just like, oh, you know, if somebody else puts it on, they're not going to be the, exactly the same with maybe a deeper voice. Like, yeah. No, they're going to go very different with it. I, I don't know. I like that. It, it In a weird way... It opens some possibilities because then mm-hmm. it just makes you ask, well, who else could put it on? Ben yeah. Stein is in this movie for about 45 <laughs> seconds. What happens if he put the mask on? By the way, I think Ben Stein in this movie might be my power animal. <laughs> so the only part of the movie that I like genuinely 100% enjoy is the the um, the conga line dance party with the police when he comes out of the park. Yeah. Cuban Pete. Yep. Yeah. That whole scene is just fantastic. And that song gets stuck in my head every so often. But again, I think that is a very direct reference back to Looney Tunes, Warner Brothers cartoons. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't name a cartoon specifically that used that song, but it seems like the exact song they would use. <laughs> um, I don't know. The song that got that really struck me was in the club scene near the end. There's a remix of Minnie the Moocher from Blues Brothers. Yeah. That just came out of nowhere, <laughs> and you have to know it in order to catch it. But that was just sort of mind-blowing. If we're going to talk about the mask, I feel I just need to say, going back to you know what this movie was standing for, I feel like I just need to say the phrase, Kai's Power Goo, and anyone who's ever worked in video editing and effects will have a snicker, and we can move on. Okay. Um. Also, while we're talking about things that I need to edit into an earlier part of the podcast, part of painting Stanley as a schmuck at the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. is he has to ride around in the loner car from the mechanics who were ripping him off, who whose scene was shot in the same building as the Ghostbusters firehouse. Yeah. Go figure. (laughs) But that car... That mm-hmm. he was playing with. That car was a co-star because it was just as good at slapstick comedy as Jim Carrey was. Yeah. I, I got it. That the car is pretty good. There's some sort of comedy Oscar that car got it this year. <laughs> There's the line that comes in in the middle of the movie. Uh, Those pajamas are impossible. Mm-hmm. But that kind of goes back to this style. There is, is, again, there's something about this movie and about, you know, trying to strike that Gotham Metropolis vibe. It has to do with the architecture and about the clothing patterns. There's a lot of, like, vertical stripes in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, 
suits and suit jackets. Well, it's over... a gangster movie, so you get the suit jackets and the. But like not like not like modern, like because modern you start thinking about. No, I'm cops. talking like old school suits with the spats and everything. Well, if you, if you go back far enough, it's, it's gangster it's, style. It's a very middle point where you would put it over like diamond patterned mm-hmm. like dress shirts. Yeah, it's something. There's a very specific time <laughs> that I don't think ever existed, but there was just a time when a bunch of movies tried to emulate this fictional point in time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Definitely early '90s, I'd say. Because you should get those like '80s like power shoulders. I like those '80 power shoulders. <laughs> I won't lie. Um. Wasn't there a sequel? Some was, of the mask. I'm not, so there was supposed to be a mask too, where the mask was worn by a woman and followed the comics in that sense. Ooh, uh, that would have been interesting. So there was not a mask two, which would have been a proper sequel that was in plans but never happened. Uh, in fact, parts of this movie were changed to uh, keep characters in it who could appear in a sequel, and sequel never happened. Mm. 2005, we got Son of the Mask, which had, first of all, the mask falls into the hands of a dog and a baby. Jamie Kennedy, I believe, plays the father. Loki makes an appearance that's played by Alan Cummings. Which is amazing. Oh, my God. And Odin makes an appearance played by Bob Hoskins, (laughs) which is amazing. Oh, Oh my my God. God. (laughs) Mario Mario is back, and this time he's got one less eye. (laughs) What? Can we just, like... We go find the parts that have them and just watch that part because I would wa- I want to watch that part, but I really don't want to watch the whole movie. Oh no! Movie. Don't worry, we're gonna <laughs> something is gonna happen with that. <laughs> it may not make it to the microphones, but something has to happen oh, with that just boy. for personal gratifications. Mm-hmm. That's not in quotes, by the way. But yeah, so the movie didn't have enough staying power for a I'm gonna say proper sequel because Son of the Mask. Yeah. Probably is not proper in any sense of the term. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just direct video. But this movie, Mm -hmm. before Napoleon Dynamite, did this weird thing of just being that movie that, like, middle school kids would quote the heck out of (laughs) to be super annoying. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if there was... I can't really think of much like around that time. Again, like I go from thinking of the mask with smoking, somebody stop me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a spicy meat to ball, which is probably even a reference in itself. It is. I uh, is which so and this continues to be a weird thing, where the mask is directly referencing like Looney Tunes cartoons, the parts of which, where the, the parts of those where the humor is through references to other things like, you know, you love me, you really, really love me, the Oscar acceptance speech. Mm -hmm. And so now you're getting like three generations removed, (laughs) not to mention the 20 years since this movie came out. I need to stop making myself feel old. Yeah. Ow, that hurt. That one hurt. (laughs) That one hurt me a little bit right here, right Mm -hmm. in the shoulder. But yeah, I, I, I feel like that's noteworthy for some reason, even though maybe I can't say why but just smoking and somebody stopped me those lasted to be to fuel annoying kids for a long time as i recall mm-hmm. i may have been one of them <laughs> cuban pete didn't you ever want to have one of those roughly sleeve shirts no i hate those shirts oh really yeah oh I, does that mean i can't wear one into the studio i don't think you could pull it off 
Are you sure? You made my I'm arms look thicker, and I need pretty that anyway. sure. You're shaking your head. At Please me. don't. <laughs> but my name is Cuban Pete. No, it's not. Oh. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the movie? I think that's, uh, you know, oh, I enjoyed it. I laughed at it. Like, I, I, I enjoyed it on a new level because of this <laughs> internet animity parable, mm-hmm. anonymity parable side of it that I feel proud of discovering, let's say. No, that's what, it, for me, it's like right in the middle. Like, there's plenty of worse movies. This one's kind of just, kind of humor I don't enjoy. So it just kind of is for me. Yeah. It's weird because it's it's only humorous sometimes. Other times it's like a cartoon, an action film, but the only action they know is Warner Brothers cartoons, which is weird. And there's maybe a good moral to it. They're like, no, the real hero is the one who uses his own face and also eats an entire bomb. (laughs) I (laughs) I like that part. He he does eat an entire bomb. Mm You gotta, you gotta like that. But yeah, like, uh, again, in, it's been going around the studio lately talking about what is sort of like movies from that 90s era that are going forward as classics. I think this one, like I said, cause you can look at it and go, oh yeah, Kai's Power Goo. It's sort of iconic of the time, but it's not something you would really want to go back and visit. It's no Independence Day. It's no rock. Yeah. It's no The Rock. Excuse me. <laughs> All right. Well, now, I guess, should we get to the meat and potatoes of... Oh, are you talking about that bonus thing at the end? I am talking about that bonus thing at the end. The bonus thing at the end of this 1994 released VHS tape? Yeah. So after the feature presentation, there is a short uh, interview uh, of Jim Carrey. And Chuck Russell, was that his name, the mm-hmm. director? Uh, Jim Carrey and Chuck Russell are interviewed by a TV talk show late night legend, Space Ghost. Yeah, it was some pretty good interviewing, too. I don't, there was something about... Like, maybe because it doesn't have, like, an episode built around it with, like, other framework going on, but... It definitely made it even shorter. I mean, it was, like, a five-minute episode. Yeah. Um, Jim Carrey's interview, I will say... He does an amazing Manchester impression, <laughs> but you can tell that it wasn't a good interview when they were filming it because they used the exact same response four times. Mm-hmm. Four times, the exact same cuts around to just, yeah, cool, all right. <laughs> um, much better was the interview with um, Russ Chuckles over there. <laughs> Yeah, like, it was another one of those cases where, like, Moltar was, like, chatting with the second guest while Space Ghost was talking to the first one. Or even when he came out and he was talking to Space Ghost, they got him talking about, like, a tire and about, you know, what's going to bring you up today? What's going to stop you from being typecast? Mm-hmm. Space Ghost was typecast. Did you know that? Yeah, he, he was typecast. mentioned that. Also, uh, Chuck reveals Jim Carrey actually is green. So, mm-hmm. really, the CGI effects were to make him not human-colored. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. naturally being green as a superpower, how does that rate? Does that count as a superpower? Because, I mean, Elphaba is green, and I wouldn't really count that as a superpower. That's a wicked reference, isn't it? Yes, it is. Dude, that's a wicked My point reference. Is... <laughs> <laughs> My point is, that's just kind of a physical attribute, 
And I wouldn't call someone having a certain color of skin necessarily a superpower. Well, that's the thing. I think having a color for your skin is a superpower because, as we all know, like white being an absence of color is also an absence of power. That's why white man can't jump. <laughs> what are you talking about? White man can't jump. You know, classic movie, white man can't jump. What were we talking about? I don't know. It was just some bonus thing after the movie. Yeah, I wouldn't really count it as. And that's going to do it. Thank you for joining us to talk about this movie and associated bonus feature. And we hope that you'll join us next time when we talk about another full-length motion picture feature and complete another orbit around the ghost planet. You have been listening to Orbiting the Ghost Planet, an Aliku Studios Podcast Network production. You can visit the show page at alikustudios.net slash podcast slash ghost planet. There you can find the rest of our episodes, the RSS feed for the show, and links to our Facebook page where you can talk about this and all the other Aliku Studios shows. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, you can help us by leaving a quick review and rating. Please visit alikustudios.net to learn more about us and what we do. That's O-L-E-E-T-K-U. Are we on in Guam?